Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than the incomparable Sharon Reed, news anchor, commentator, and new TYT sports contributor doing a fascinating job. We've been promoting it all week and we'll continue to do so. All right, top story of the day, DeSantis has created a law that allows him to run for president without having to resign being governor of Florida. There's also some other things in this bill that the press has missed. So let's get to it, uh, let's put him up full mass. There he is, that's your guy, echoing, he is in fact going to announce he will run for president of the United States, but he doesn't believe in you. I'm talking to Republicans because he will only do it if his state can guarantee that he has a job if you don't believe in him. Republican Governor Ron DeSantis would not have to resign as Florida governor in order to run for president if he chooses under a bill given final approval Friday by the GOP dominated state. Legislature. So let me explain what this bill does. The measure attached to a much broader elections bill would carve out an exemption for the Florida governor. It would carve out an exemption to the law requiring anyone seeking office to resign from one they already hold after qualifying as a candidate. Only an office holder running for US president or vice president would not have to resign under this new law. Supporters portrayed the bill as purely a clarification and not intended specifically for DeSantis, who has not yet announced a presidential bid, but is widely expected to declare his candidacy for the nomination in a few weeks. The bill passed the state house 76 to 34 along party lines and now goes to who? DeSantis for a final signature. Now, let's talk about what really is happening here. Now we can sit back, point fingers and say, that is unethical. That should not be possible. Why is he violating the law? He's not, he's not, okay? This is actually the legislative process. Does it violate the spirit and the reason you have a democracy in the first place? Yes. It does. There are technical and essence violations all over the place as it relates to politics and law. But his people are backing him. You see, that's the thing right there. They don't all agree with him all the time. They don't always support every bill he supports, but they're backing him on his major plays. Why is DeSantis so effective? That's the reason. He's backed on major plays. Look at it, vote for vote. Republicans don't always agree with DeSantis, but on the big items that he says make or break his relationship with them, they side with him. Once again, Republicans are playing chess, Democrats will play checkers. Chess is a game of strategy, not simply reaction. This is a strategic move. Once again, another one from Governor DeSantis. There's more. Among other things, now this is the part that the media has underreported. The bill 
would actually tighten limits and increase fines for third party voter registration organizations. That's mama them, those are churches, nonprofit organizations, etc. Impose more restrictions on mail ballots and shift responsibility for determining if a voter is eligible from the state to the individual. Democrats contended the bill is another step to suppress votes of minorities and economically disadvantaged people to benefit Republicans who are already already dominant state government and Florida federal offices. They already hold them. Um, that's correct. The Democrats in Florida are right. So 90% of the media has been about how the law allows the governor to run for president. But the most dangerous parts of the bill actually deal with once again, taking freedoms away from people who care about open democracy. That's the part that should be the headline, but it is not and it won't be because he's strategic enough to plant it inside of a bill that he knows good and damn well. The media given a choice, they don't talk about both, they will talk about one. And the one they will talk about is the fact that it gives him the authority to run for president, the potential to run for president without resigning as governor. Well, hell, that's really not news because many states already allow that, okay? They got it passed with a legislative process as well. But you know what? The people in Florida who are now even more restricted, who now come under more severe penalty. Because remember, when they create a restriction, they enforce it. So if a nonprofit or a church operates outside of the new framework, they can be fined civilly or they can be arrested criminally. That's what this does. There's more. The new Washington Post, remember, ABC poll released Sunday has Biden at a whopping 36% approval rating. It's the worst in the history of the poll. His disapproval at 56%, slightly below the previous low of 37%, a difference well within the margin of error. So let's talk about the reality of the numbers of Biden. Biden, in a head to head matchup for the first time, actually is defeated by Donald Trump in this same poll. DeSantis always has polled higher than Biden nationally. Look at the numbers, look at the cross tabs of the data. It shows that every single category, Biden is losing ground from white males, white females, our brothers and sisters in the LGBTQ community, African American votes, black brown coalition, the list goes on and on. Every single demographic is lower. In order for a Democrat to become president, that Democrat needs a coalition. Once you have the nomination, you're talking about seven points, seven points. No matter what happens, you can be the worst candidate on the planet. If you have the nomination from either the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, you're fighting over seven damn percentage points, that's it. The companies known as the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, they get you the rest. But you gotta get that 7% because no president has lost outside of the margin of 7% in this country. So what are we going to do? We have a system that forces us to make a decision based on election and not selection, which means our candidate, the person that we think would best serve us, likely not in the running. All right, Sharon, thoughts here. Boy, you said a lot, Doc. Uh, Dr. Richie, you said a whole lot. Number one, we can't win, it sounds like, with an as run. People want to be energized and it's not happening here. They are energized by that guy down in Florida, apparently, who has just pulled off another 
okie doke. That's what it is. It's an okie doke. And uh, I don't know what we're going to do from here, but mm, won't be much time left to do it. Yeah, well, decision time is coming. Uh, I do want to remind everyone, polls are not predictions, but they are snapshots. It gives you an idea of how people are currently thinking. That's important too, because of course, if a course needs to be adjusted, a poll is a good way to provide indication of it, all right? Okay, a hero, a black father, let's put him a full mask, shields his 16 year old daughter from bullets. This was during the Texas mass shooting. Jeffrey Keaton and his daughter were at the mall. You see this picture, they're being escorted to safety during the shooting, but something had already happened. A black father reacted quickly to protect his 16 year old daughter when a gunman opened fire at the crowded mall in Allen, Texas. This was on Saturday. Jeffrey Keaton and his daughter were having lunch at a fat burger inside the Allen Premium Outlets when they heard gunshots and said he immediately knew what was happening, the father. He said, and I quote, I immediately knew, Keaton told the New York Times. I got my baby girl under the counter to shield her. And then they got louder, like he was right there. He said that the restaurant's manager allowed customers to hide in the back. And they were able to exit through a rear door to get to their cars. You could see bodies of people he had shot on the sidewalk, Keita said during the interview. M. Garcia, 33 was identified by authorities as the gunman that killed eight people and wounded seven before being killed by an officer already at the mall for an unrelated call. The victim's ages reportedly ranged from five to 61. Garcia used an AR-15 style weapon during the attack and reportedly received firearms training as a security guard. According to CNN, Garcia worked as a security officer from 2016 to 2020 for three separate companies before being commissioned as a security guard. He reportedly received level two and level three training required by all commissioned security officers in the state of Texas. It included firearms training and the demonstration of firearm proficiency, according to Vice President of Ranger Guard, Jonah Nathan. Garcia also reportedly completed a separate firearm proficiency training course that required six hours of continued training. In addition to his extensive firearm training, authorities also are investigating if Garcia was motivated by right wing extremism. He was reportedly found to have an insignia on his clothing that read RWDS. The authorities believe it means right wing death squad. Let's talk about some nuances here. Obviously, when tragedy happens, heroes abound. Let me say that again, when tragedy happened, heroes abound. This is a hero father. A hero father who threw himself in front on top of as a shield, as a barrier to his 16 year old baby girl. That's a hero, right? You have individuals in DC, they want you to believe they're heroes. They want you to believe they're leaders. They want you to think they actually have backbone and are willing to stand up to the status quo, willing to stand up to power, willing to stand up to naysayers, willing to stand up to money. But it's all a facade, it's all fake.
they stand up to nobody. Republicans won't even have the conversation of common sense gun reform. Democrats will have the conversation every time a child gets killed. No legislation happens. The vast majority of Americans agree universal background checks should be a norm. Vast majority of Americans, Democrats, Republicans, gun owners, non-gun owners, still no legislation. The vast majority of Americans are for, for red flag laws, for mental health diagnosis, still no legislation. Because one entity doesn't want it, those that make the damn guns. That's the only entity, the majority of NRA members are okay with red flag laws, nothing. Because the NRA doesn't work for you, I'm talking to the members of the NRA. They work for the gun manufacturers and that's it, that's who they're accountable to. The United States of America in a way works for the gun manufacturers by not allowing everyday Americans to actually sue the gun manufacturer. You see, that's a tort law immunity they have in the marketplace. It's a federal law that only applies to gun manufacturers. So the natural connection in the marketplace, the natural connection and correction in the marketplace when it comes to manufacturer and consumer is your ability to take them to court. It's called tort law doctrine. Without tort law doctrine, you cannot force a company to be its best self without regulation. So you have a company massively unregulated and with immunity. Doesn't it sound like they're treating gun manufacturers like they treat the police? Hmm? Massive responsibility and immunity at the same time. All right, sharing thoughts here. Yeah, and they've trained the rest of us. You mentioned Dr. Richie, the Republicans and the Democrats, spot on. But they've trained the rest of us to just be prey. We don't get apparently angry enough to break the rules like those January Sixers did when a man mm. who's orange in what appears to be a lace front told them just some <laughs> dumb lie. Right. They, they got angry and stormed the Capitol over that dumb lie. We're watching kids die and a hero father who did not have his own automatic weapon. So he was ready to die is really That's right. what it was. That's right. And it goes on and on and on. Yeah, and, and there you have it. We have a brother who was willing to die in order to save his child. And we have politicians unwilling to be criticized in order to save children in this country. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left, always good to be with you. Let me read some of these amazing comments uh, and there we go. All right, uh, and let us not forget about, let's put it up. Um, Sharon Reed, TOT Sports, make sure you check it out. Uh, Sharon, how has it been at TOT Sports? So I know your background, I know you've reported on sports for years. So tell us your experience now. You know what I love it because I, you know, I know some of the X's and O's, Dr. Richie, but I always love the story behind the story. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because sports is a metaphor for more, and so I've I've been having a great time. My latest uh, video is getting some traction, and it's Cantor 
former NBA player. I just want people, Doc, to peep the werewolf play. He's the next candidate that the Republican, I mean, he had a whole special mm. on Fox mm. this past weekend. And I'm not saying that he's not saying some things that are admirable, but he's doing all the talking points and he mm. is a staple on Fox News. And the only thing missing is he probably won't you know, have the battle between the werewolves and the vampires, but he right. will. He will be put in a jurisdiction somewhere and he's there to energize the base, so we'll see. That is fascinating. So they, they are creating a bench, so to speak, and they do that by making sure the crowd is aware of who the next person is. All right, we'll definitely check it out. Okay, a lot of comments, a whole lot. Read as many as I can. Next to you, reporter. What happens so GD always that people, okay, gotcha, that people, just know when they are in a mass shooting, this is insanity. That's right. Like for him to know immediately what was happening, no, no shock or nothing. Okay, Donald James X, member for 11 months, indisputable. Thank you. Uh, they know the suck ass is gonna lose in a general election, but Florida doesn't want to lose the number one fascist. You have a point. And Twitch. Sweetback underscore lightning. That's a cool last name. I don't know what any of that means, but it's cool. Okay. It's provocative. Wake up. The protection of your family is on you. Right. All right. Got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? I feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Laurence Olivier was the last white actor to play Othello. And he did it in 1965. And he did it in blackface. And he played a black man brilliantly. Am I being told that I will never have a chance? To play a black man? I hate to break the news to you, ladies and gentlemen. Richard Dreyfus is a damn Karen. I know. I looked at the video multiple times, diagnosis came out the same every time. I even went for a second opinion. Second opinion, my producer Jordan said that's a Karen. Let me give you the full context. Here it is. No one should be telling me as an artist that I have to give in to the latest, most current idea of what morality is. And what are we risking? Are we really risking hurting people's feelings? You can't legislate that. And you have to let life be life. And I'm sorry, I don't think that there's a minority or a majority in the country that has to be catered to like that. Yeah. You know, Laurence Olivier yeah. was the last white actor to play Othello. And he did it in 1965. And he did it in blackface. And he played a black man brilliantly. Am I being told that I will never have a chance to play a black man? 
Is someone else being told that if they're not Jewish, they shouldn't play the Merchant of Venice? Mm -hmm. Are we crazy? Do we not know that art is art? This is so patronizing. It's so it's so thoughtless and 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 treating people like children. Do you think there's a difference between the question of representation and who is allowed to represent other groups? For example, as you said, somebody representing the Merchant of Venice and the case of blackface explicitly in this country, given the history of slavery and the sensitivities around black racism. Do you think there's a a difference between those? There shouldn't be. Richard, listen, um, your privilege is showing. So let me go ahead and help you out here. Um, For a person who has had a very successful career playing a white male, um, I find it ironic that at the end of your career, you are upset because you're concerned that nobody's going to give you a role to play a black male as a white male. This is what you're upset about. Were you upset that Hollywood as a practice would not give roles to black men because they were historically portrayed as not cinema quality, could not land the crowd? Had an issue with that? Of the countless black people who have been told they cannot play a particular role because they are in fact black. Well, what about this? Do you have anything to say about the reality of blackface? Do you even know what it is? Obviously, the person interviewing you did not. You see, Richard, when black people in this country were finally allowed to go on stage and engage in this art form, white audiences were so offended by their natural black skin that they made black actors wear black face. Already the practice was an adaptation of white actors wearing black face with over exaggerated, let's say physical features in order to mock black people. Have you Googled it, Richard? Did you look at it on Wikipedia? Do you know the history of it? Or are you just talking? So, uh, Mr. Dreyfus, since you are uh, so unconcerned with how people feel, I will be unconcerned how you feel after this. Let's put him up for a mask. Richard Dreyfus is a Karen. Now, he was mentioning. Olivier, the performance in 1965. Let's go to put it up. Okay. This is the image, Othello, in which the English actor played the Shakespeare lead in blackface. Dreyfus claimed this was the last time a white actor played the title character. Obviously, he is torn up about this. However, it has been pointed out online that Patrick Stewart played the character in 1997 without blackface. In a race flipped production. He was the only white actor, and everyone else was black. Okay, you see it there. What did Patrick Stewart say about this? He said, and I quote, When the time came that I was old enough and experienced enough to do it, 
it was the same time that it no longer became acceptable for a white actor to put on blackface and pretend to be African. One of my hopes for this production is that it will continue to say what a conventional production of Othello would say about racism and prejudice. To replace the black outsider with a white man in a black society will, I hope, encourage a much broader view of the fundamentals of racism. All right, there we have it. Sharon, I'm going to pose this question to you because you are an actress yourself and you have starred in major series and movies. Um, I'm sure you've heard stories about black people not getting roles because they were in fact black, okay? That has happened. People have even said it on record. Is it surprising to you that someone as successful as <laughs> Richard Dreyfus at the end of his career um, would be really, really upset that he is not going to get a gig, perhaps, playing a black man in blackface. No, but it is the height of white privilege. It's the height of white privilege to get everything. Not saying he's not a talented actor, but he can't see past his outlandish spectacles, Dr. Yeah. Ritchie. The spectacles were outlandish, okay? Right. And, and your commentary was spot on. They should have stuck with the ending of the book in Jaws. The shark <laughs> ate Matt Hooper in the book. Right. Okay, the, book. The, the shark ate him. Okay, yeah, I don't need right. to see or hear from Richard Dreyfus again. Thank I'm you. just, yeah, I'm yeah. just so, uh, I'm so damn disappointed. Okay, all right, McDonald's, a McDonald's franchise. Locations, what? Hiring 10 year olds, other children involved. As a matter of fact, hundreds. Let's put up the picture for a mask. The US Department of Labor has fined three McDonald's franchises over $200,000 after an investigation determined hundreds of children. You heard that, hundreds of children, including two 10 year olds, were working in violation of several federal labor laws. The investigation was part of the wage and hour division's efforts to end child labor abuse in the Southeast. As part of the investigation, officials found that Louisville, Kentucky, this, this Kentucky-based McDonald's franchise operator, Bauer Food LLC, hired two 10-year-olds to work at one of its locations. 10, unpaid as late as 2 a.m. With one of the children even permitted to operate a deep fryer, a task for which workers must be at least 16 years old. Below the minimum age for employment, they prepared and distributed food orders, cleaned the store, worked at the drive through window, and operated a register. The Labor Department said Tuesday. Too often, employers fail to follow the child labor laws that protect young workers, according to the Wage and Hour Division District Director Karen Garnett Sibbles. Said in a statement, under no circumstances should there ever be a 10-year-old child working in a fast food kitchen around, around hot grills, ovens, and deep fryers. That's according to Garnett Sibbles. There has been an uptick in federal child labor violations, including instances where minors are operating equipment or doing dangerous 
work, all right? So under Kentucky's child labor laws, minors younger than 14 are not allowed to work. However, the investigation concluded that among the three franchisees, 305 minors were illegally employed. The three franchises, Bowerfoo LLC, Archways Richwood LLC, and Bell Restaurant Group LLC, run a combined 62 McDonald's. Okay, this is all throughout Kentucky, Indiana, Maryland, and Ohio. According to Bauer Food, the 10 year olds were not employed at the company, but were a night manager's kids who were visiting them at work. Bauer Food said that management did not approve of the kids being in that part of the restaurant, adding that the company has made it clear to its employees this behavior is against policy and addressed the policy regarding children visiting their parents at work. The issue, Bauer Food, is not the children visiting their parents at work. That is not the issue cited by the Department of Labor. So let's not make it something that is not, all right? It's McDonald's, okay? Children go to McDonald's. This is about the children working a deep fryer. That's what the Labor Department investigation cited. According to federal child labor rules, there are certain types of jobs a minor can work. Kids who are 14 to 15 are limited to working no more than three hours on a school day, eight hours on non-school days. They also cannot work over 18 hours during a school week and cannot work before 7 a.m. and after 7 p.m. except between June 1st and Labor Day, according to the Labor Department. Let's put up this sister, she is the Senior Vice President and Chief People Officer at McDonald's USA. Um, her name is Tiffany Boyd. Miss Boyd called the incidents unacceptable and deeply troubling and go against the company's high expectations it has for its brand. She continues, it is not lost on us that uh, the significant responsibility we carry to ensure a positive and safe experience for everyone under the arches. She said this to ABC News. I know how important it is that every restaurant fosters a culture of safety. As a mother whose teenage son proudly worked at our local McDonald's, I feel this on a very personal level. We are committed to ensuring our franchisees have the resources they need to foster safe workplaces for all employees and maintain compliance with all labor laws. Well, Ms. Boyd, I think your comment, um, I think your um, statement was appropriate for McDonald's corporate. But let's be very clear. Uh, while we all know that over 300 children, according to the Labor Department, were criminally violated by having uh, this type of labor uh, pushed upon them by adults, nobody's going to be criminally charged. I don't even see uh, individuals being somewhat investigated criminally for this kind of behavior toward minors. I think that's the greatest irony of this entire story. All right, sharing thoughts here. I too think Ms. Boyd's statement was okay, it was appropriate. But I think that McDonald's, the corporation, and understand that this is a franchise, should perhaps show up. Show up, maybe somebody yeah. on her staff, buy a happy meal, and maybe you would see one of the 305 children there. Because this is the same McDonald's that just accused Byron Allen of trying to smear them, okay? Right. They need to do their work That's and right. not put children to work. That's right, and listen, these children, um, you all may have an actionable claim, all right? So hopefully somebody sees this video. Okay, 
We got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. A lot of show left. Uh, Remember, we wanna help Sam walk again, let's put it up. He was on our program, Sam Randolph, fully exonerated, released from death row for serving 24 years, 21 years, excuse me. For a crime he never committed, he never did it, it was never him. Despite being exonerated and released from prison, Sam is currently disabled, confined to a bed. He interviewed with us, you clearly saw during that interview, he has heart, he has passion, he has a plan, he wants to help other people. He can't walk because during his incarceration, according to Mr. Randolph, the correction officers took him out to the yard and beat him. They beat him and paralyzed him at that facility. So he is now confined to a bed. The family is asking for financial contributions of any amount to reach the goal of $100,000 to support Sam securing all of the many services he would need after he has surgery. Surgery, we want our brother to walk again. Please do your absolute best, I thank you in advance. Okay, a lot of comments, we'll read as many as I can. All right, make us see the silver haired dragon. One other problem with this is that I'm sure there will be no babysitters having little children working with adults late into the night is leaving them open to sexual abuse with no oversight. The one Republicans are all for it. Yeah, I mean, states are literally uh, passed laws to lower the age um, for minors in workplaces. Cody Stanley, thank you for that, Cody. Appreciate you. Says, we all have been enslaved. The corporate media and politicians have convinced us that there are no chains so that we won't fight for the key. That's such a great, great way to put it. Convince them there are no chains. They would never ask you to make them free. Very good. Chi Chi Massey, thank you for being a double dose of member for 10 months. Uh, now I know why I was rooting for the shark in Jaws. Linda M, thank you, Linda. I worked at a law firm that represented United States gun manufacturers. Personal injury lawsuits were based on product liability, usual result, only negligent behavior by the owners. That's correct, so that is still allowable. The Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act was passed in 2005. It provides an immunity to gun manufacturers as as relates to weapons and crime. Uh, But naturally, when things do go to court, I understand that is the normative ruling. C. Michael Henson, thank you, C. Michael. This is another example of corporate greed. They hire these underage children, pay them lower wages or no wages just to make record profits. I mean, to add injury to insult, you got a 10 year old working until 2 a.m. according to the report, and you pay the 10 year old zero dollars? That's just effed up, very messed up. All right, I have an update to a story we covered initially. Remember the cop who allowed a man basically to die right in front of him? Well, they're saying nothing to see here. He followed protocol. Here's the video. Go sit over here, go sit over here. Four, five, two, we have a male bleeding from the chest, possibly stabbed. We need medical here. Ryan, get out of the elevator, come on. Let's get out of the elevator, man. Ryan, I need you to crawl towards me, bro.
We're not paramedics. We have medical on the way. The officer allowed him to die. Let's put up a picture. What was the cop doing? What was he so busy doing with his phone? Well, we now have the information. He was playing games and watching TikTok while a black male died in front of him, unconcerned, unbothered by the reality of the situation. Now, officers typically would like you to believe that they are heroes, that they are brave, they have courage. Um, Officer, if there's any person dying in front of me, I will abandon my sense of self-preservation to help them. You had absolutely no issue that you had to sacrifice, no dynamic of yourself that would have been in trouble or in danger or in fear of. You could have done this, this was easy. You could have tried. 39 year old Ryan Outlaw had been stabbed by his 24 year old girlfriend. She stabbed him in the elevator. Fernando Tobar. Police refused to assist, they stood by. They watched him bleed out for eight more minutes, ultimately succumbing to the wounds. Officer Anderson, his name is Ian Anderson, uh, as I said, was playing games and watching TikTok on his phone while this happened. He refused to apply first aid. He refused to provide any first aid, even the person who committed the crime was shocked and asked the police if they would help. The officers told her they would just wait for medical. So literally the individual, let's put it back up. Uh, So the person who did the stabbing, the individual who was heartless enough to pull out a knife and stab somebody on the elevator was more concerned about the death of this man than the officer was who had absolutely nothing to lose by providing first aid. They were finally reviewed by city board talking about his actions. After over two years of hoping and waiting that a Salt Lake City Civilian Review review Board would offer justice for a stabbing victim allowed to bleed out for minutes under the eyes of police. A family is left with more heartbreak The board concluded no determination is possible against the officers who were accused of withholding vital aid that could have prevented the death of Ryan Outlaw who died November 2020. Let's put up the pictures. I got city officials, you got Mayor Aaron Mendenhall and the chief of police, Mike Brown. They both defended the officers. Before the investigation was complete, officials like the mayor and the chief were supportive through their support behind the officers, commending them on following proper departmental policy and procedure. Our officers, we believe, did as they were trained, the mayor previously said. The chief would tell reporters, I stand by these officers and what they did that day, I think they did a great job. I want you to think about what the chief just said to you. 
He doesn't say, hey, listen, I, I would have, would have desired that they help the victim live, but they didn't. However, it is not a violation of police policy, even if it is a violation of my own. He didn't say that. This chief said that he not only stands by these officers, he said, and I quote, I think they did a great job. Well, chief, what do you think they did a great job in accomplishing? Because all they did was let a black man die in front of them who was a victim of a crime. Oh, I get it. You're saying that is the thing that's a great job to you. Sir, don't think I can't read between the lines, sir. You come out with the comment and you say these officers did a great job. End quote. The people that you're talking to, they got it. Clearly. There's more. The review board, which was appointed by the mayor, okay, political appointees, absolved the officers of any wrongdoing. A few officers who spoke to Fox 13. Under a promise of anonymity, after hearing the remarks of the higher ups, said they did not agree with the chief's assessment of the case. Not agree. Oh, the cops said this now. These officers say, according to the news outlet, they would have rendered first aid to outlaw. However, they cannot express that publicly, fearing someone in the department would retaliate against them. If you actually have way more good cops than bad cops, why is it that good cops are always talking to us under the condition of anonymity? Because they are afraid of the other so-called good cops. They're terrified of them. You see, if good cops were the majority culture inside of the industry of policing, you would not have fear coming from officers who have worked with them for decades. All right, sharing thoughts here. You're right, because uh, in the mafia, when you tell you're you're marked you're marked for death, you're dead. Okay, yeah. that's what happens with organized crime. Mayor Mendenhall and Chief Brown have some kind of scrambled eggs going on between their heads. They they're not moral people. This right. is disgusting. And the Black Lives Matter chairperson in the area said it right. Nothing's going to change. Yeah, you got to change out leadership. These systems have one vulnerability and it's people. The people can change the system. Systems are not designed to be oppressive when the person who designs them is not. When you get someone in who's a liberator, they will give you liberating policy. That's how this works. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, good to be with you. Thank you for remaining. Okay, we got a lot of show. Let me go to some of the comments. Always good to see all of the activity. All right, um, Scorpius underscore cores. All police are trained in first aid and should do this by mandate in their laws. Many do not, many do not do this. And it's the reason I believe most people died this way and not be reported. And then for a chief to completely back it as if they're a hero for doing nothing, it's insane. Um, also, let's go to dissident PM. The current system of policing is either getting rid of people's basic humanity or actively recruiting social psychopaths 
Either way, the system itself is a, is a fault and needs to be redone. That's right. That's right. The system does not need to be fixed. It needs to be broken. It's actually working the way it was designed to work. All right. That's the problem. Okay. A man shoots a 14 year old girl for playing hide and seek. Let's put up the picture full mask. Okay. David V. Doyle, a Louisiana man, has been arrested in connection to the shooting of a 14 year old child in the back of the head while she was playing hide and seek over the weekend. David V. Doyle is 58 of Starks, was arrested on suspicion of aggravated battery, four counts of aggravated assault with the firearm and the illegal discharge of a firearm. He was booked into the, to the correctional facility. The girl who ironically and miraculously is alive after being shot in the back of the head by this man, was taken to a local hospital but she was treated for non life threatening injuries. And family members told the television station that she is recovering and appears to be okay. Let's keep his picture up. She's okay because he did not shoot her where he wanted the bullet to land. Let me say that again. She's going to live because the bullet did not land where he wanted the bullet to land. Usually in a jurisdiction that is called attempted murder, okay? Attempted murder, but he's charged with aggravated assault, misuse of a firearm, discharge, illegal discharge of a firearm. Deputies early Sunday morning responded to the Starks home on the report of a shooting. Detectives determined that several juveniles who were playing hide and seek were on the neighbor's property. Mr. Doyle told the investigators that he went to retrieve a firearm from his home after seeing shadows outside his home. And that when he returned, he saw people running away from his property and he, he started to open fire, striking the girl, the report said. Louisiana has a stand your ground law that can be used to justify deadly force when acting in self-defense, preventing a violent crime or if someone unlawfully enters a home, vehicle, or place of business. Clearly in the man's own statement, that is attempted murder to shoot at children as they are running away. You either knew or should have known it could end in death or serious injury. Now in this case, he was arrested swiftly. Now we've seen other cases that are clear cut to us, okay? But it took the authorities some time to come to our conclusion that took no time. I don't believe Mr. Doyle um, was somehow afraid. Um, Individuals running away, children playing hide and seek. I think there's this willingness now to push it, to push the envelope, see what you can get away with. Because other people have. You cannot dismiss the reality that other people have gotten away with this very same thing. Maybe that was in Mr. Doyle's mind. Who knows? Sharing thoughts here. He's a monster. And uh, as I picture what the Klan 
did and still does sometimes to children, he comes to mind. This behavior comes to mind. He's yeah. a monster. Yeah, um, this case is going to obviously go through the judicial process. We will see if the charges get upgraded. They definitely should. All right. If anybody else shoots at children, a, a group of children, you charge with attempted murder in every jurisdiction I know of. Uh, if there's a plea deal, that comes later. But to charge this cat with aggravated battery, come on. Okay. Um, Oakland announcer says the uh, N-word, racial slur on air, uh, he's gone. Let's put up his picture full mass here. Um, okay, some people are really surprised about this. Oakland A's announcer, Glenn, uh, Glenn Cooper has been suspended on Saturday indefinitely for using a racial slur during a baseball broadcast. This was early in the weekend. In the viral clip, he's gushing actually about a visit with Dallas Braden the, uh, uh, to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City, calling the uh, calling it the uh, you know N-word league museum instead. All right, not, not the he didn't say Negro. He said the other word. All right, NBC Sports California, which broadcast the A's game announced that he would no longer be on air until further notice while the incident is reviewed. There's already been an apology during Friday's broadcast saying a little early in the show, I said something didn't come out quite the way I wanted it to. I just wanted to apologize if it sounded different than I meant it to be said. How about you apologize for just saying it, all right? Don't apologize for it sounded different. No, 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 sir, it sounded the way you said it. So you know what you said. Apologize for saying it, not for how it sounded. All right, on Saturday, he offered another statement. Uh, he said, I could not be more sorry and horrified what, what I said. They just called the language unacceptable. The museum's president, Bob Kendrick, called for forgiveness. <laughs> this is the 20th season uh, of the announcer uh, as the athletics lead voice. So, um, yeah, you know, you should have knew better, should have known better. Uh, and here's the thing, sir. Let's put his picture back up. All right, I get it. You don't want to lose your job, but you have. Uh, here's the thing: if you didn't say the n-word so much among your racist ass friends, it would not have slipped like that while at work. See how things have cause and effect relationships, sir. All right, Sharon. I'm unbothered by this. I'm glad yeah. it happened to be frank with you because mm -hmm. the guy obviously talks like this among his friends. That's why I slipped out so easily. Yeah, and the first apology was dumb because it went yeah. right past his his co-anchor right. too. Yeah. I don't know if you met what because you used ER instead of an A, you know, on the end of it or whatever. And the statement as well, the follow-up, Dr. Ritchie, because you're right. What he meant was, I, I'm sorry I said this on TV. That's right. <laughs> okay, exactly. that's all. He says it all the time, right? Right. Bye-bye. There you go. There you go. Bye, Glenn. Goodbye. Yeah. All right. A cop who arrested. The cop who arrested Michael Jenkins is accused of abuse. I'm going to show you this video first. Here it is. On January 23rd in Rankin County, Mississippi, without showing a warrant, cops burst into a home. Two black men lay inside, brother Michael Jenkins and brother Terrell. They were falsely accused by this six white officers of dating white women and selling drugs. And that wasn't true. 
the two were immediately subdued and handcuffed in the residence. But instead of taking the handcuffed men into immediate custody for their alleged crime, the six white cops decided they would hold the men hostage and terrorize them for nearly two hours inside the home. While the men were handcuffed and bound, these six Rankin County white cops beat the men while they were handcuffed, tased the men repeatedly while they were handcuffed, punched, slapped, and beat the men while they were handcuffed, and incredibly, the white officers used waterboarding tactics in this raid. Then in the course of this torture and physical abuse and humiliation, Rankin County sheriffs were both putting guns to both men's head, threatening to kill them while handcuffed. Then tragedy struck when one of the sheriffs shot Michael Jenkins in the mouth. Yes, the cop shot Michael in his mouth, almost killing him, causing him life-threatening injuries. And Michael has been in ICU and had to have his tongue removed from his mouth. We've been covering this saga from day one. We have more information now. Put up the picture full mass. I want to show you the damage this particular deputy did to Mr. Michael Jenkins. Mississippi sheriff deputies are already under investigation for possible civil rights violations after allegedly placing a gun in Michael Jenkins' mouth and firing it. These officers are now also accused of sexual abuse, sexually assaulting him and his friend, Eddie Terrell Parker, during the interrogation. The allegations are contained in a letter to the Justice Department written by Mr. Michael Corey Jenkins, attorney, who provided a copy to the AP. In it, attorney Malik Shabazz urges federal prosecutors to file civil rights charges against the deputies and to open a broader investigation into, into what he called the unconstitutional customs and practices of the entire sheriff's office. All right. There's more, let's put them up. According to the attorney, he said in a statement that Sheriff Brian Bailey and Rankin County are covering up the truth of what happened on January 24th and all parties must be held accountable. He also penned a letter to Kristen Clark, the assistant attorney general for civil rights at the Department of Justice, calling for an inquiry into a pattern and practice of police misconduct and police brutality in Rankin County. Now let's keep a picture up. Madam, you've been doing a fine job at that department. I know you have bureaucracy to deal with, I understand the politics that are involved. But even with those restrictions, you've done some things with this office that others before you have not been able to do. I would like you to do more, but I understand once again, the bureaucracy that you're dealing with. This case that has come before you, madam, is a legitimate case. And it is a case worthy of significant investigation. The reason why the attorney is citing the terminology pattern and practice is because pattern and practice gets the federal government involved by way of jurisdiction and statute. You have to prove that in order for the federal government to seek and legally have a review and investigation. Jenkins and his friend Eddie Terrell Parker said on the night of January 24th, six white Rankin County deputies suddenly came into the home where Parker was living proceeded to handcuff them and beat them. 
They say the deputy shot them repeatedly with stun guns over 90 minutes. And at one point forced them to lie on their backs as the deputies poured milk over their faces. Both Jenkins and Parker also informed agents with the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation that deputies stripped the two naked, forced them to take a shower together and attempted to use a sex toy on them during an hours long interrogation. That's according to the letter, which was accompanied by the photo of said toy. Jenkins, who has trouble speaking and eating because of the injuries, said one of the deputies who has not been named publicly, fired a gun into his mouth. Medical reports and medical records he shared with the AP show he was treated for a lacerated tongue and a broken jaw from an interrogation where he was handcuffed. Jenkins was charged with possessing between two to 10 grams of meth and aggravated assault on a police officer. Parker was charged with two misdemeanors, possession of paraphernalia and disorderly conduct. Agents with the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation told the men they didn't expect the criminal charges against them to proceed, according to the attorney. Meanwhile, no deputy has been disciplined or even terminated by Rankin County. And all the deputies are still roaming the public at large, the attorney wrote. Uh, These allegations, more than troubling, it's a crisis. It is a crisis. There's an exposure here of policing in America that most do not wish to deal with. They don't want to see it. They would rather it not exist in the parameters of their mind, but it exists. It is real. I believe these gentlemen, I believe everything they said is 100% true. And I believe the actual crime they were being punished for was dating white women. Sharing thoughts here. I heard it too. And no, they don't want to touch it. And for them to still be roaming the streets instead of, I don't know, being rounded up and placed in the Guantanamo Bay that some people love so much is a farce, okay? This is all about white women and these, well, they're pigs. These pigs have to be brought to justice, whatever that means. Yeah, so we have an investigation um, hoping to happen by way of this letter to the DOJ. Um, I really need those who are connected. Make sure the DOJ knows this is a priority. Please look into this police department. More violations are surely to be there. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, so live during this show, we got breaking news. Um, I wanna at least let you know what the breaking news is. A jury has found Donald Trump, former president of the United States, guilty, all right, or liable, all right. This is the sexual abuse case of E. Jean Carroll. This is a civil case. According to the Manhattan federal jury, they found that Donald Trump sexually abused E. Jean Carroll in a luxury apartment store dressing room in the spring of 1996 and awarded her $5 million for battery and defamation. Carol alleged Trump raped her in the Bedford Goodman department store and then deemed her basically said that she was lying when she said the truth. So interesting, an entire jury has found Trump 
liable. All right. Um, there he is. I told you for the rest of his life, he will be a defendant. There you have it. Okay. What if I told you that um, Megyn Kelly has told everyone basically shut up about gun reform and admit that you lost? That's the only way you can win. It's insane. But here it is. Well, I'm going on 20 years in our business, and I've covered more of these mass shootings than I ever wanted to. And I am sick and tired of opening up the papers or the phone and the Twitter, or whatever, and just seeing the entire aftermath get mired in the gun debate, which is lost. It's over. The, the, the pro-gun control people have lost, and they don't realize it. And they get us stuck every time arguing over something that's never going to happen. Okay, she says. We get stuck every time arguing over something that's never going to happen. This is the same person that told you that Santa Claus was a white man. Here it is. Santa Claus should not be a white man anymore. And when I saw this headline, I kind of laughed and I said, oh, this is so ridiculous. Yet another person claiming it's racist to have a white Santa. You know, and by the way, for all you kids watching at home, Santa just is white. But this person is just arguing that that maybe we should we should also have a black Santa. But, you know, Santa is what he is. And just so you know, we're just debating this because someone wrote about it, kids. OK, I wanted to get that straight. But Jedediah. He's a fictional character. The image of Santa Claus that's popularized was created by Coca-Cola. Um, we're taking advice from the woman who also wanted to remind us that Jesus is white too, just a fact. Here it is. Just because it makes you feel uncomfortable doesn't mean it has to change. You know, I mean, Jesus yeah. was a white man too, but you, you know, it's like we have, he was a historical figure. I mean, that's a verifiable fact, as is Santa. I just want right. the kids watching to know that. Yes. But my point is, how do you just revise it, you know, in the middle of the legacy of the story and change Santa from white to black? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't. Some people want to be on TV so damn bad. They will agree with any level of insanity put in front of them. Um, Megan Kelly, the irony here is staggering. She says, hey, listen. You can't just change things in the middle of the narrative here. You mean like uh, the election was stolen, that narrative? Or perhaps the entire reason why there's a debate about Jesus being white or not. Um, not even debatable, except in the parameters of your opinion. Factually, it's simply not true. Then Brett Favre, all right? I'm gonna give him some of this action too. He supports Tucker Carlson. Not being let go via Megyn Kelly. Here it is. Meanwhile, it's not settled. They don't have a deal. Why not? Because he needs to be silenced while Fox tries to rebuild that disappearing audience. They are banking on you coming back to them. They've got a debate in August. You can't resist. You'll go. You'll forgive everything. They're banking on it. DeSantis is likely to announce this month, you're gonna turn on Fox News. You can't go to CNN. You're not gonna go to Newsmax. You're not gonna go to digital media. You're gonna tune in to the Fox News primetime, you lap dogs. It's what you always do. It's how they have billions. That's what's happening here. Keep him silent on the sidelines for as long as possible, unable to use his voice on any of these things, on Fox, on politics, on anything. 
and we will win in the end like we always do. Let me get this right. So Brett Favre retweeted that, okay? So let me get this correct, Megyn Kelly. We need to shut up about um, gun reform. We need to not give that any voice. We need to stop pushing for policy we value and care about. But it is okay to push, be passionate and aggressive about Tucker Carlson leaving Fox News. That is what we should be passionate about. Those are the things we should push. Hell of a thing. All right, sharing thoughts here. I mean, I don't see what's so wrong with what she said. If you know how possessed hypocrites operate, that's Mm. what she is. I mean, I wrote down some of her dribble. How do you revise it in the middle of the story? Like right. that guy down in Florida's doing? What does she yeah. say about that? She says, there's something wrong with her, okay? And she scorned yeah. a woman scorned, thank you. Yeah, and just remember, we all knew these things about Megyn Kelly. Mm-hmm. Major mainstream media still gave her room, right? You, They will play with people who play with white supremacy, they'll play with you. Don't ever support somebody that may be a black nationalist. Don't ever support somebody that you may disagree with in mainstream that happen to be black. Uh, mainstream media will have very little room for you, all right? But they have plenty of room for Megan Kelly. $9 million this New Orleans high school senior has earned in scholarship money, yes. Dennis Barnes, a senior at International High School of New Orleans, set a new national record by receiving offers from 125 colleges and universities, totaling more than 9 million bucks in scholarships, more than any other college-bound senior in U.S. history. Kids and earner. (laughs) The school said that Barnes, a New Orleans native, applied to 200 schools across the country and plans to announce his college decision. Well, We should get that decision soon, this month in the coming days. The amount of offers Barnes received breaks the previous record documented in the Guinness Book of World Records, held by a Lafayette High School senior who received 8.7 million in scholarships in 2019. The school is contacting Guinness to make Barnes new record official. Barnes said about the application process, I submitted college applications in August with an eye on raising the bar high for college admissions. Decision letters were an overflow in my mailbox and hundreds of scholarship offers, Barnes said. He said that more decision responses are still coming in from other schools. His goal is to reach 10 million in offered scholarships by the end of the month. Kid's incredible. Barnes' impressive academic achievements, maintaining a cumulative grade point average of 4.98, holds leadership positions in the National Honor Society. He is fluent in Spanish, received an official qualification from the Institute Cervantes on behalf of Spain's Ministry of Education, Culture, and Sports. He was also recently awarded the Jose Luis Banos Award for Excellence in Spanish Language by Maria Page. Honorary Consul of Spain in New Orleans. Barnes's plans for the future, what are they? Well, he plans on pursuing a dual undergraduate degree in computer science, criminal justice. He has been dual enrolled at Southern University of New Orleans for the past two years, earning college credits while pursuing his high school diploma. Barnes is set to graduate 
May 24th. You know, there's there's pride and then there's overwhelming respect. And I'm sure, you know, I don't know where his parents stand on this, but gratitude. Look who's not going to have to pay for college. The fact that this incredible student took it upon himself and still wants more. You can only go to one college at a time, but wants to put the record so high, Ben, at 10 million bucks. What do you make of this academic uh, competition? Really of one, he's competed against himself now. I don't know. I'm not sure I like this kid. I think he he exists <laughs> to make me feel bad about myself. I agree. I agree. I don't feel like he needs to set goals for stuff he can't even accept. Uh, the only way he can, I think, make this worthwhile as a pursuit is if he indeed does go to 10, 15 colleges at once. He could probably handle it. He sounds pretty adept at getting a lot more done than I've ever done in my life by just age 18. So he should go to multiple colleges and collect as many of these scholarships as possible. And then I will change my opinion and I will support his college endeavors. Otherwise, he's just sticking it in our faces. And I'm happy for him. I'm happy for his family. I'm hurt personally. And I feel like I'm a little bit dumber by comparison. <laughs> that, that doesn't feel great. You're funnier, though. You got That's your true. own talents. You got your own That's talents. True. It You're sounded right. like in the beginning, you almost wanted this this honor student and scholarship recipient punished for seeking too much. Am I wrong? Listen, I just think he's a little bit too too smart and too achieved. And here, I'll prove the point right now. I am funnier, Sharon, but how much money are you going to give me for that funniness? Well, can I get back to you? Because it's been slim tickets lately. And, you know, but I do respect yep. your, your craft. I do yep, respect your craft. Respecting my craft doesn't pay the bills, Sharon, okay? Oh, boy. Okay. What if I told you a hotel guest woke up and the manager of the hotel was sucking on his feet? He did not give the guy permission to do this. Put up the picture. It's a hell of a story. Damn, son. David Patrick Neal, a 52-year-old hotel manager in Tennessee, has been arrested after a male guest staying at the establishment allegedly woke up to find the Hilton Hotel employee sucking on his toes. Neal was taken into custody on Friday and charged with one count each of aggravated burglary, assault, and held in lieu of a $27,000 bond. The incident allegedly took place in the pre-dawn hours of March 30th at the downtown Nashville Hilton Hotel. This is on the 100 block of 4th Avenue South. The guest who filed a lawsuit in the case alleging sexual assault told the officers with the Nashville Metropolitan Police Department that he was in town for a business trip, according to a report from Nashville ABC affiliate WKRN-TV. He was reportedly asleep inside of his room at about 5 a.m. when he allegedly woke up to find the suspect allegedly sucking his toes. Upon waking up, he reportedly told police that he immediately confronted the hotel's night manager, whom he recognized. Neil and another hotel employee had allegedly come up to his room the previous day because the guest was experiencing problems with his in-room television, the station reported. Neil reportedly admitted to investigators 
that he had entered his room without the guest permission using a cloned room key. However, he told police that he only entered his room because he thought he could smell smoke coming from inside and wanted to ensure that everything was okay based on the reporting. In his lawsuit against the hotel, the guest lawyer reportedly pointed out Mr. Neal has a criminal past, including spending five years in prison for manslaughter, multiple charges of forgery, drinking and driving, a manslaughter conviction as well, which he served prison time for, said Michael Fisher, one of the victim's attorneys. When Hilton hired this person, they had to have known. They have to do background checks to know. And the fact that they would put somebody like that in a position where they have the ability to clone keys, have the ability to get into a guest room, you know. All right, let's put them up again. Okay. So possibly uh, the Hilton did a background check, which, by the way, is per their policy. They possibly did it, possibly they did not. But I guarantee you, uh, this individual probably has more than likely done something to other guests. I mean, he's been there for a minute. Sharon, um, you know, you travel a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm sure nothing like this has ever been in your mind about a Hilton manager coming into the hotel room. You're not about to get me with this, Phil, Dr. Richie. <laughs> I'm making a note, wear socks to bed. And that's right. really all I got to say about it. It's not going, not today. Well, <laughs> okay. Wow. Mm, um, I'll be honest with you. The man is lucky he's alive. To be in somebody's room like that, 5 a.m. in the morning, you don't know what's going on. I mean, he is lucky to be getting a lawsuit and nothing else. Sharon, always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Yeah, I'm at Sharon Reed Live across all platforms. Very excited, as we mentioned, about TYT Sports. And another installment should drop in the coming days. I hope you'll check out my work. Looking forward to it. Always a pleasure, dear sister, having you on the show. Thank you, Doug. All right. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Welcome to Indisputable. I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today. But what do we do on this show? We tell the truth. You know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here. Congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. People still need health care, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform throughout this country, so I won't stop. And you won't stop either.